Chapter Nineteen of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter Nineteen: Eleanor and Peggy Defiant. Barnes did not return to Peggy immediately after his interview with the Colonel. As may be imagined, he was in no very enviable frame of mind when he had returned to lunch after receiving the colonel's note he had been in great good humour and had informed peggy that he would quickly bring her father to reason the girl had asked him many questions as to what this meant but he had been very non-committal in his replies he assured her however that when he returned that night he would have good news for her this had set peggy wondering greatly for she saw that barnes was much excited and that he really believed in what he was saying he had told her that he would not return until about eight o'clock and when that hour arrived and still another hour had passed away and he did not come she began to grow anxious presently she felt she could not bear to stay indoors any longer and found her way into the streets it was because of this that her father and mother had failed to find her when they had called it was a rainy cheerless night and for the first time since she had left home peggy realized something of the meaning of what she had done a sense of loneliness and of bewilderment possessed her she wandered into the dismal drabness of gray's inn road then passed into high holborn almost heedless of whither she went she could not help wondering what her father and mother were doing and whether they were trying to find her she almost hoped they were since she had left home her life had been so full of excitement that she had had but little time to think of the meaning of what she had done in fact during the few days of her married life barnes had taken her from restaurant to restaurant from theatre to theatre and from dancing-room to dancing-room without cessation but that day she had been left alone with the exception of the hour when barnes had come home to lunch and she had been led to think furiously the excitement of the past few days was passing away and she felt utterly depressed she walked some distance in the direction of the general post office and then suddenly turned back perhaps barnes had returned by this time and she wanted to be there to meet him the little flat was still empty however and seizing a novel she had bought that day she tried to forget her anxiety in vain however it was nearly eleven o'clock and still no one came where can he be what can have happened to him she asked herself almost feverishly and then suddenly she heard his voice evidently someone was with him who could it be when barnes entered the room she started back afraid there was a look on his face she had never seen before his eyes were bloodshot there was a nasty cut on his cheek while his lips showed signs they had been bleeding still she tried to meet him with a brave face hello jim 
she said. You've come back, then? What luck? I'm all right, hiccuped Barnes. Aren't I, Jenkins? Yes, you're all right, replied Jenkins, who was rather less under the influence of whiskey than his companion. How are you, Peg? went on Barnes. You haven't been lonely, have you? I tried to come home sooner, but couldn't. Oh, I forgot. This is my friend Jenkins. You don't know Jenkins, do you? He's a white man, white through and through. Bit of a swell, too, in his way. This is my wife, Jenkins. Pleased to meet you, Mrs. Barnes, said Jenkins, evidently trying to appear sober. If I am not too late, I should like to congratulate you. Splendid fellow, your husband, one of the very best. No flies on Barnes. The girl looked at them both, speechless, and a sense of horror possessed her. In the past she had admitted that Barnes was a little bit gay, without ever realizing what it meant. Now, as she saw his bloodshot eyes and blotched cheeks, she, for the first time, felt the gulf that existed between her father and the man she had married. "'What's the matter, Jim?' she asked. "'Have you met with an accident?' "'No, my dear, no accident, but—' "'But you tell her, Jenkins, my head's a little bit dizzy.' "'We've had rather an exciting time, Mrs. Barnes,' giggled Jenkins. "'We've had an interview with your father.' Peggy hated the thought of this man, a stranger, too, being cognizant of her private affairs— but she was eager to know what had taken place. "'How did you get on?' she asked. "'What did you say?' "'Your father's no gentleman,' hiccuped Barnes with drunken gravity. "'I'm sorry to say it, Peg, but he's no, no gentleman.' And he had difficulty in enunciating the words." He wouldn't see anything in a reasonable light, and he insulted me, but I'll pay him out for it. By, by God, I'll pay him out for it. But what happened? cried the girl. There is a nasty wound on your face, and your lip is cut open. What have you been doing? Barnes was evidently trying to collect his thoughts. He was not so much under the influence of drink, but that he could see that he was cutting a sorry figure before his newly made wife. He remembered the promise he had made to her only that day, and as he called to mind the details of his interview with her father, he felt he had not played a very brilliant part. Besides, he was anxious that she not know the proposal he had made to him. Peg, he said solemnly, I'm disappointed. All my finer feelings are wounded. I don't mind what he said to me so much, but I can't forgive his hard-heartedness to you. He refused to forgive us, Peg, and it nearly broke my heart. It did, straight. That's why I'm afraid I took a drop too much whiskey. 
I felt downhearted, and I wanted cheering up. How could I help it? I did not mind his insulting me. But how dare he insult you, Peg? The girl listened to his meanderings without a word. She looked from the face of one man to that of the other and something of the degradation of having to do with a drunken man came to her. She almost shuddered, but she was still enamoured of Barnes, and felt angry towards her father. "'What did he say to you, Jim?' she asked. "'Tell me all about it.' "'It's sickening,' said Barnes, solemnly. "'Just sickening. This is the thanks one gets. Haven't I fought for my country?' Haven't I shed my blood for it? And here I have been insulted as though I were a slacker, but I'll not stand for it, Peg. Isn't the name of Barnes as good as that of Trelawney? I'll let him know. I'll make him pay for it. Yes, but tell me what happened, Jim. How did you get that nasty place on your face and that horrible cut on your lip? Oh, that's all right, Peg. I paid him out for that, didn't I, Jenkins? He'll not forget the licking I gave him in a hurry, will he, old man? He'll have to lie in bed for a week. Who will have to lie in bed for a week? asked Peggy quickly. My father? No, that whippersnapper brother of yours. I took it out of him. I've owed it him for a long time. He'll never call me a bounder and a dirty swine again. I knocked all the stuffing out of him, didn't I, Jenkins? Of course you did, said Jenkins consolingly. What do you mean? asked the girl breathlessly. Was John there? Of course he was, replied Barnes. The truth was your father was a bit afraid of me, and he brought his upstart son with him to keep up his courage. He didn't dare tackle me himself, so he set on his son to do it. He took a mean advantage of me, too, and got at me before I was ready. That's how I got these marks. But didn't I pay him out for it? Didn't I give him fits? asked Jenkins. That you did, old man, said Jenkins. He had the licking of his life. Well, I must be going now. Good night, Mrs. Barnes. I congratulate you again. You've got a white man, through and through. Take it from me. There are no flies on Barnes. Good night. He left the room as he spoke, and Peg and Barnes were together. For some seconds there was a silence between them. The girl did not know what to say, or what to think. She was utterly bewildered by the scene, and although she did not quite realize it at the time, was nauseated at the sight of the man she had chosen to be her husband. She felt helpless, too. Never before had even a suggestion of such a thing happened to her. She supposed that there was some truth in the story of Barnes giving John a thrashing, and she felt rather glad of it. More than once she had been angry at the contempt which her brother had shown towards him, and now she had a kind of joy that John had been what Barnes had termed paid out. True, 
john was only a boy and while quite as tall as her husband he was not nearly so big or strong that went without saying and yet there were doubts at the back of her mind she could not help remembering the look on jenkins's face when barnes had spoken to him but oh the vulgarity of the thing what did her father think of it all still she would make the best of it and with a kind of blind loyalty she turned to the man whom she had married only a few days before never mind jim she said we can do without them of course we can old girl replied the man solemnly you shall have your rolls royce yet all the same i'm very sad peg he insulted you he did i don't care anything about myself but he insulted you he called you names and said you should never darken his doors again i think i'll go to bed i'm not very well very tired and i'm wounded in the heart i'm a bit dizzy too will you help me peg she led him into the little bedroom where he without undressing threw himself on the bed and a few seconds later was fast asleep the girl returned to the sitting-room and sat for a long time in deadly silence in her eyes was a look difficult to describe the next morning when barnes awoke he was in an evil humour his head ached badly and his limbs were sore as he looked into the glass and saw his discoloured face and cut lip he muttered savagely as for peggy she had spent a sleepless night but although she felt utterly miserable she was wise enough to be silent she sat with him without a word while he ate his breakfast and heaved a sigh of relief when at length the time came for him to go to business i'm a nice sight aren't i he snarled just before he left the flat still the girl did not speak what are you thinking about he asked roughly don't look at me like that it's all right jim she said trying to smile we shall both be better presently we need to be look here peg we'll have to do something to he hesitated as if trying to make up his mind how to say something then looking at his watch he gave an exclamation as if of relief i must be off he said so long old girl mind alice i'm afraid we are not taking a wise step said colonel trelawney a few minutes after their interview with eleanor i cannot help it lester i feel i must see her talk to her yes i can understand that but what can we say to her that man will of course have given a garbled story of our meeting last night and peggy will be more rebellious than ever our interview with eleanor has been a failure and it will be worse with her i don't know that it has been a failure replied the mother 
at any rate i feel we have done what is right of course it is all heartbreaking and awful to think about i know too that they have been bad children and that they have spurned your kindness but i cannot help it i must see her but it can lead to no good had we not better wait a few days and then you go alone don't mistake me alice i think i want to see peg as badly as you do but we must try to be wise i have no doubt you are right admitted the mother but i can't be wise i am longing to see my little girl i know she disobeyed you and has well-nigh broken our hearts but i want to see her i want to be sure she's well i have been thinking all day about what that man probably said to her after the scene of last night you say he was under the influence of drink may not he have been cruel to her oh my darling i cannot help it i must see her very well replied the colonel it was with a curious feeling at heart that the colonel mounted the stairway which led to the place where peggy had taken up her abode never had he known anything like it before he scarcely thought of barnes him he could treat with contempt in spite of all that had taken place he scarcely entered his thoughts except as a poisonous thing which he must avoid as much as possible but peggy was different it was the thought of her the helpless little thing which he had kissed soon after her birth the toddling little mite he had taught to walk the laughing-eyed maiden whom he had heard say her prayers that caused his limbs to tremble what could he do with her and for her how could he face the problem which stood out in all its ghastly nakedness before him presently they found the number of peggy's room and knocked the colonel heard barnes's voice someone's knocking at the door peg you go all right then i'm not fit to be sane but i'll open it he opened the door as he spoke and on seeing who his visitors were started back in astonishment barnes had evidently done his best to remove all traces of his last night's encounter and on the whole had been fairly successful it is true that the court plaster on his cheek did not improve his appearance while his left eye showed unpleasant discolourment still he was well dressed and showed no signs of having been drinking peggy had done her best to prepare a meal which would be pleasing to him and had succeeded in doing so she was at that moment getting dressed in order to go out with her husband i say peg shouted barnes after he had overcome his astonishment here are visitors your father and mother have come to see you won't you sit down colonel and you too mrs trelawney i'm sure peggy will be delighted to see you he said this in ingratiating tones because the hope had come into his heart that in spite of the previous night's happenings the colonel had perhaps repented and had determined to make the best of things 
jenkins had promised never to breathe a word of what had taken place and barnes had diligently proclaimed the fact that he had married into one of the oldest and best families in the country even yet he could not understand the colonel's opposition to him personally and if by a stroke of good luck he could be openly received as the colonel's son-in-law he thought it would more than atone for anything he had suffered the colonel did not take the chair which barnes had indicated however while mrs trelawney looked eagerly around the room as if in search of some one where is peggy she asked in her bedroom dressing mrs trelawney i was just going to take her out to a theatre peg your mother's waiting for you the man spoke nervously, uneasily, but with an evident desire to please his visitors. Furtively, but eagerly, he scanned the colonel's face, as if trying to discover signs of relenting. "'Ah, there you are, Peg,' he went on as the girl entered the room. "'This is a surprise for you, isn't it? Colonel, can't I offer you some refreshment?' let me get you a whiskey and soda as far as the colonel was concerned barnes might never have spoken he took no notice of him whatever but kept his eyes fixed on his daughter he did not speak however mrs trelawney on the other hand rushed towards her girl and kissed her oh peg my darling she sobbed hello mother and although her voice was somewhat unnatural peggy tried to assume her old defiant attitude so you've found us out then of course we have replied the mother how could we do otherwise oh i don't know i didn't think you would of course i have been a naughty girl and so i thought i should be crossed off the book of your remembrance she spoke flippantly, almost insolently. "'But, Peg, my darling,' pleaded the mother, "'you knew we should want to know where you were. How could you?' "'How could I what?' "'Why, why this?' And the mother looked around the room. "'I can't help it if you are not pleased.' And she still kept up her defiant tones. "'I told you I should do it.' come come peg pleaded barnes that's not the way to treat your mother of course we loved each other and we got married in a hurry perhaps we were not wise but we acted in love and-and anybody could forgive that and again barnes gave the colonel a covert glance but peggy was not in the mood to be amiable she remembered barnes's description of his interview with her father on the previous night and she felt angry and rebellious she was ashamed too that her parents should see the kind of home to which barnes had brought her but she was too proud to confess it even to herself she wanted them to believe she was proud of what she had done that she was justified in her action it's no use your coming here to cry over me mother she went on you know what father said to me and-and i told you what i should do well i've done it 
and I would do it again. What right had he to interfere with me? Is that all you have to say, Peggy? asked the mother sorrowfully. What else is there to say? retorted the girl. Of course, in a way, I am sorry I had to leave you, and if he had not come home, she looked towards her father as she spoke, things might have been different. Then you don't care about breaking our hearts, said the mother, a little unwisely. Oh, don't talk tosh, replied Peggy flippantly. As I have said, I am sorry for you, mother, but you'll get over it. As for him, and again she looked towards her father, I don't see what he has to bother about. Come now, Peg, Barnes broke in. Let bygones be bygones. We know your father tried to stop the course of true love, and he couldn't. We were too fond of each other for that. All the same, I understand his failings. He's a bit upset, but now he's come to see us. Let's talk over things quietly, and make the best of everything. I'm open to reason, and although I know I have a bit of a temper, hard words never do any good. All this time the colonel had remained silent. The scene was, to him, distressing beyond words, and for the moment Peggy did not seem like his own child at all. The little maid he had loved and fondled years before had ceased to be, and in her place had come this rebellious girl who had not a spark of affection for him. As for Barnes, the more he saw of him, the greater was his contempt. He saw his cunning in every look, realized it in every word he spoke. "'But your father loves you, Peggy,' said Mrs. Trelawney. "'He has come here to tell you so.' "'What's the good of that story?' asked the girl. Ever since he came home, he has treated me as though I had no will of my own, and no life of my own. He seems to think that because I am young, I should have no word to say about my own future. Well, I have let him know that he's wrong. What does he know about girls, or about girls' feelings, and what right had he to interfere with me? She still kept to her defiant attitude and although she spoke in the third person, she was evidently asking her father to answer her. Evidently, said the colonel, speaking for the first time, you have decided that I have no right to come here, no right to interfere. Evidently, too, you think you know better than I as to what is good for you, and you have acted on your own judgment rather than on mine. That being so, I have no more to say about it. I have only this to tell you, Peggy. Although you admit you have no affection for me, I cannot help loving you. Even yet, you are my child. Yes, broke in Mrs. Trelawney, and our home is still your home, Peg. What's the use of saying that, mother, when you know he won't have it so? Will he let me bring home Jim? I have married the man I love. Will he let me bring him home as my husband? That's it, old girl. 
assented barnes you've hit the nail on the head there that's what i call the acid test i've done the straight thing i never asked peg a word about what dowry she would have or anything of that sort i might have married money and have been helped to make a home and set up in business but i didn't do it i followed my heart and married the girl i loved now then colonel you insulted me last night do the straight thing now the colonel gave barnes a glance of contempt and then turned to his wife i don't think we can do any good by staying here longer alice he said let us go home good night peggy you don't believe it now but the time will come when you'll know i acted for the best and that in spite of everything you are very dear to me i want you to remember that always he took his wife's arm as he spoke and drew her towards the door as though the interview was ended but evidently this was not according to barnes's ideas but i say colonel protested that gentleman surely you aren't going away like that i have married your daughter and i think now you're here we might come to some arrangement it's no use being huffy about it and we can't live at daggers drawn all our lives i've done the straight thing and i think you ought to do ditto the man's words and the evident meaning behind them almost caused the colonel to lose control over himself and not only that the fact that his child should have chosen to marry such a creature made him ashamed for the moment he was on the point of telling her what barnes had said to him on the previous night of making it known to her that the fellow had offered her the grossest insult a man can offer to a woman but he checked himself after all they were married and he would do nothing to destroy any possibility of their being happy have you nothing to say to me persisted barnes no replied the colonel evidently the contempt in his tones reached barnes for he broke out angrily then what's the use of your coming here he shouted with an oath i'm not good enough for you aren't i you won't acknowledge me won't you well we shall see let me tell you this my lord high and mighty i'm as good as any trelawney that ever lived i have nothing to say to you except this the colonel still spoke in quiet tones i have told peggy that she's very dear to me and that is true that's why i repeat what my boy said to you last night after he had thrashed you and it will be well for you to remember it if you do not treat her kindly then you may expect trouble as for acknowledging you in any way or admitting you into my house the colonel shrugged his shoulders and opened the door yes and let me tell you this shouted barnes you're in my house now and i'll stand no insults from anyone if you don't clear out i'll kick you out now put that in your pipe and smoke it we're no longer in the army remember that i'm afraid you were right lester 
said mrs trelawney when they had reached the street i'm afraid we ought not to have gone i'm not sure alice replied the colonel but heavens how my fingers did itch to thrash him end of chapter nineteen